I think we all have some inherent sense of time that probably is instilled by our childhood. Some people live in the past, some people live in, entirely in the present, and some people live in the future. I live in the future, so I'm always thinking, what if, or oh, this could be, or this could change, trying to understand why something happens. The, the great joy to me is that moment when you, that aha, you know, when mm-hmm. you think, oh, that's why. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Shiftmakers Podcast, where we share the collective wisdom some of our greatest minds have to offer. I'm your host, Marianne Schnall, a writer and journalist. Over the years, I've had the incredible honor of interviewing a variety of remarkable changemakers, and it is my pleasure to share some of these recordings with you for this podcast. Welcome to Shiftmakers. I have had the pleasure of calling the renowned author, activist, and feminist icon Gloria Steinem my mentor and friend for almost 30 years and have interviewed her numerous times for a variety of media outlets and projects. One thing to know about Gloria is her humble nature and that she's always resisted people holding her up as an icon or the face of any movement. She is always insistent on making sure that the movement is inclusive and using her influence and celebrity status to amplify others who don't usually get the spotlight, as well as more diverse voices. So while she generally shies away from any tribute, despite all of her many accolades, which she has so richly deserved, like being awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Barack Obama, I wanted to use the occasion of Women's History Month in March and her 88th birthday this week on March 25th to honor Gloria's enormous contributions to women's history by sharing a selection of timeless wisdom I culled from my archival recordings of Gloria from my interviews with her in 2006, 2012, and 2016. Most people know Gloria as a feminist, first and foremost, as through all of her extraordinary activism, writing, speaking, and books, as well as helping to found hugely influential media outlets and organizations, such as Ms. Magazine, the Ms. Foundation, and Women's Media Center, and more, she has helped to shape for so many of us our understanding of what feminism is, as well as why we need a feminist movement. It was largely due to Gloria's influence and the experience of interviewing her back in the early 90s that helped me identify as a feminist myself and led me to found my website, Feminist.com. So I'll begin with a selection of Gloria's thoughts on how we can rethink stereotypes and beliefs to change culture and strive for a more gender-equal world, first with Gloria reflecting back on our history. Lately, I've, I've been seeing history in much more realistic layers. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I've come to realize that the ancient cultures, the original cultures, which account for 95% of human time on Earth, mm-hmm. were gender balanced and were balanced with nature. And, you know, so if it happened before, it can happen again. Mm-hmm. You know, that the Native American cultures were probably the inspiration for the suffragist movement, for instance. You know, so one of the most devastating arguments, this is human nature, it's always been this way, so it always will. Mm-hmm. To understand that for 95% of human history it was different is very helpful to me in believing that it mm-hmm. can be different in the future. Do you think that the notion of what feminism is today has changed since you began in the movement all those years ago? <laughs> Funny, because yes and no. I mean, I think it's changed because we now better understand the links between equality for women and every other issue. Mm-hmm. For instance, now we understand that equal pay would be the best economic stimulus this country could have. We understand that violence against women is the biggest normalizer of all other violence because it tends to be what 
people see first in their families or neighborhoods. How do you feel overall about where we are today in the arc of progress mm-hmm. for women? Is significant progress still being made, or do you feel like we're still No, standing? I think we've just begun. We've accomplished some very important tasks. First, we know we're not crazy. The system is crazy, and this is very important. Second, we've built a majority support in this country and the women's movements in many other countries. So instead of being a uh, novelty, we are now a majority. And we have achieved new laws, new, new phrases, new definitions, new, new consciousness uh, in very important and life-saving ways. However, there is still so much violence against females in the world. Violence against women is clearly not solved, not at all solved. Do you feel like, you know, there's anything we can do to speed progress up? Well, of course. I mean, that's what movements are for. Progress is not automatic. Any statement of ownership of our own bodies, however that occurs in our individual lives or our community or our collective lives, is crucial. And any insistence on equal pay is crucial. And any redefinition of work to include caregiving work so that it also has an economic value, at, at least at replacement level. That's crucial. And so change does come from the bottom up, and it will come from girls and women and men who understand that for us all to be human beings instead of being grouped by gender is good for them too. We've advanced in consciousness, but we have made very few advances in the actual actual structure of, of gender inequality and the violence that follows it. Mm-hmm. How can men be included in feminist work? Well, in much the same way that white people uh, can be included in anti-racist work. Mm-hmm. You know, once men realize that the gender roles are a prison for them too, then they become really valuable allies because mm-hmm. they're they're not just helping they're freeing themselves mm-hmm. you know, if you could set standards for business to be called you know women friendly or family friendly what would they be what changes would you like to well, see I, I, the standards would be family friendly because unless mm-hmm. men are as responsible for babies and little children as women are will never will never work mm-hmm. so i think it's terribly important that we always uh, assume that it, you know if men that men have or should have or could have <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the, the same concerns about their kids that women do. Otherwise, the the uh, family-friendly policy will be a penalty of employing women, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and more importantly, kids will grow up without nurturing fathers, and they'll manufacture the the masculine roles, they'll think, well, you know, both gender roles, mm-hmm. because that's what they've seen in their in their household. Well, we're not into biological determinism here, because that would be to abandon men, among other things. Men are human beings, too, that they're made to feel they have to earn their masculinity and to sometimes get into an extreme cult of masculinity that requires control and violence. As Cesar Chavez used to say, we want to rescue the executioner from being the executioner as well as the victim from being the victim. What do you think is the most important area for change in the world, not just necessarily women's issues, but globally? I think probably that we 
for one thing, <laughs> that we mm. see that they're all tied into each other. It's mm. not a laundry list of issues. It's a seamless web. The same idea of masculinity that says you have to dominate women says you have to dominate nature, and mm. that becomes the, the source of you know the, all the evils visited on the environment. Mm -hmm. It is a you know a, a, a seamless web, really. We are we are not separate from nature. It's not man conquering nature. It's it's people as part of nature saving themselves. Mm -hmm. I was struck by this passage in Gloria's inspiring 2015 book, My Life on the Road. She writes that in her journeys and conversations, she's discovered, quote, an intense interest in our shared humanity and individual uniqueness far outweighs any label by group of birth, whether sex, race, class, sexuality, ethnicity, religious heritage, or anything else. So I asked her, if there is such interest in this concept, why all these years later is it still so hard for the human race to see our common humanity beyond all these divides? We've lived with the labels for somewhere between 500 and 5,000 years, depending on what part of the world we're in. And what we experience in our childhoods is that comes to seem normal or even inevitable. If, if you are placed in a hierarchy, you are probably immediately anxious about going further down and you're striving to go further up you know so your energies get placed into becoming more than or at least not becoming less than instead of becoming part of but there is you know a longing as we see in our in our communal lives to be in a group to sit around a campfire to talk to each other to tell our stories and listen to other people's stories and if you say to a group, you know, two things are true. One, we've grown up with the idea of gender and race, and so we think it's real. And the other truth is that, we, that it's an invention. People are relieved. Season two of Shift Makers was brought to you by the Shift Network. Shift offers courses, programs, and workshops to unlock your full potential through transformative education and media with like-minded allies who are called to create a better world. Visit theshiftnetwork.com to learn more about their online courses, summits, and events. As the founder of the website Feminist.com, I've had to reconcile with the complicated nature behind the word feminist. The word has been plagued with so many misconceptions and ways it has been contorted, for example, as anti-male, which of course it's not. I asked Gloria about this and her opinion on the word feminist. It's a good word, and it's a word that actually, it has a remarkable amount of support. It's just that it's treated as if it's failed if it's not 100%. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter what word we use. Mm -hmm. As long as it has the same content, it will be treated in the same way. Mm -hmm. There are other words. There's womanist. There's mm -hmm. mujerista. There's... <laughs> Women's liberationists, you know, right. there, there are other words that mean the same thing, and they get the same ridicule. Mm -hmm. right. I think, you know, we just, we need we need to choose what word we feel comfortable with that, mm -hmm. that feels, you know, that says women are full human beings, and whatever that word is, mm -hmm. we'll get a lot of opposition. What is the most important message that you hope to instill in young girls? Uh, that they are, are already unique people when they're born, that every human being is. You know, that inside us is a unique person that already has resulted from millennia of environment and heredity mm -hmm. combined in a way that 
could never happen again and never happened before. So we aren't blank slates. We There's no reason to be insecure. The question is just how to find the support and the circumstances that allow you to express what's inside you. Next, I wanted to share some of Gloria's hopes for our first female president and what it would mean for women, girls, men, and boys to see a woman in that level of leadership. Some of these sound bites were from my interview with her for my book, What Will It Take to Make a Woman President?, a book which Gloria encouraged me to write and for which she was one of my very first interviews. We begin with where she sees opportunity for improvement in how we approach the goal of a first female president and getting more women generally in the political pipeline. Are you feeling progress like we're, we are making a steady climb? I am, but it depends what we do. You know, I feel hopeful, but uh, I feel hopeful that you and I will act and not... No, it's not automatic. Mm-hmm. Nothing is automatic. And we say, that what does that mean to like the common person? Like, how can? Well, it means recognizing that the voting booth is the only place on earth in which everybody is equal. So using it, and and we're we're still uh, not doing so well in percentages of who votes. And in terms of women running themselves, you know, what do you think are some of the factors or obstacles, either societal or sometimes even self-imposed, that you think deter women from entering the political pipeline? And, you know, what can we do as a society to, you know, encourage more women into running? Uh, well, uh, you know, one, one is that politics is a rough game, and, and women are culturally taught to seek approval, not disapproval, as money, of course, is a big barrier, huge barrier. I mean, I I raise money for candidates who, if I'm raising money for them, probably are all the same on the issues. But if I'm raising money for a man running for the Senate, someone will give me $1,000. If it's a woman, they'll give me 200 or 300 Not consciously, but unconsciously. There's going to be men in, in, and perhaps some women, too, in the media who, who, who perhaps unconsciously associate female authority with childhood because that's the last time they saw a powerful woman. And so they feel threatened and regressed to childhood by the sight of, of a uh, powerful woman outside the home. I then asked her what it would mean for society as a whole to see more women and more diversity in leadership, as well as electing a woman to America's highest elected office, and what change she thought that could bring. It's important because, uh, for one thing, little girls and little boys, too, look at women in a different way if they can imagine one as head of the country. It frees imaginations and hope. It it doesn't necessarily change the structural problems Mm -hmm. just to have, you know, one person at the top, but it's a step. So it's not just a woman, but a woman who stands for the majority needs of women. It's not just getting a job for one woman, it's making life better for all women. It's probable that uh, walking around female for 20 years or 50 years in this culture has given someone a set of experiences men don't necessarily have in the same way that walking around as a black person or a Hispanic person or a gay Mm -hmm. person, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gives people a different set of experiences than a, than a white heterosexual person. You know, we, we need somebody, because experience is everything. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's experienced something is more expert than, than the experts. We need politicians who look like the country. Next, I wanted to share a collection of Gloria's thoughts about community, gathering together, and the power it holds. I asked Gloria where she found the strength to speak out in a society that may not always welcome it, and she offered this. 
hang out with people who make you feel smart, not dumb. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's crucial. Because if they make you feel dumb, they're not <laughs> supporting you and they're not helping you. Mm-hmm. It isn't that we're right or wrong. We're, or, you, you know, it, it doesn't have to do with being right all the time, but just that some, if you, if you have uh, a consistency of support from people who value your opinion, it will help you to value. We're communal people. You can't do it by yourself. The most effective means we have is to talk to each other in groups. Mm -hmm. If we're by ourselves, we come to feel crazy and alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, we need to have to make alternate families of small groups of, of women who, who support each other, talk to each other regularly, can speak their truths and their experiences and find that they're not alone in them, that other women have them too, that it's not their personal fault. It's a, it's a systemic problem. Especially in this age of, of the web, that as miraculous as it is, we still need to be in the same room with all five senses if we are to empathize with each other. So the perhaps the highest use of the web is getting the information and identifying the places and the possibility of being together physically. Um, it turns out that we can't actually, that we literally don't empathize unless we're physically present, that the oxytocin, the, the famous tendon-befriend hormone, <laughs> is not produced unless we're present with all five senses. I've had a, an intense dose of just listening to the general public, an explosion of consciousness. It comes out of both uh, anger and despair and hope and accomplishment, but it's there, it's consciousness, it's incredible. I've, I'm quite stunned by it. What, what personally drives you after all these years? What is the source, you know, of your energy that keeps you? Well, you and, you know, everybody we know who, who shares this hopes, uh, excitement, because it's endlessly interesting to be organizing and hearing possible solutions or thinking of possible solutions and how to put efforts together. It makes everything else boring, actually. <laughs> there is one special phrase that has deep meaning to Gloria, and I have a personal story around it. Back in 2013, when I asked Gloria if she'd like to create a bracelet to help support my organization, Feminist.com, for a campaign created in partnership with Yoko Ono and the Maiden Nation Imagine Project, she graciously agreed. When asked for a short phrase that summed up her philosophy that could fit on a bracelet, she chose, quote, we are linked, not ranked. She shared that these words have long time held special meaning for her, as it is a message about equality, interconnection, and changing the power paradigm from a hierarchy to a circle. Gloria wears the bracelets often and loves giving them as gifts, once to even Meghan Markle during a live taping of the PBS series Makers, which of course went viral in the media in 2020. Gloria has said she would like to see this phrase everywhere, quote, on shirts and bracelets, painted on fences and buildings, a tagline on emails and letters, a sign on the White House lawn and in Congress, on places of worship, in libraries, formed by flowers and other plants, on city streets and country billboards, wherever people care enough to put it. You selected this phrase, we are linked, not ranked. Mm -hmm. And I have heard you use that phrase many times. And in your book, you write, 
quote, when humans are ranked instead of linked, everyone loses. Mm -hmm. What does that phrase mean to you, and how do we make that principle sort of operational in the world? It was the shortest way I could think of saying what our goal is. Nothing else seems short enough to put on a bracelet. (laughs) And uh, it's the paradigm that was the paradigm of societies uh, for most of human history, and still is of some, and uh, that's the circle, not the pyramid. That we are literally linked in a circle, including with nature as well as with other human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I mean, old societies, as we've talked about before, didn't have, uh, and still don't have, he and she. They don't have gendered pronouns. They don't have a word for nature because we're not separate from nature. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's, it's. Viewing the world as, as linked, not ranked, is profoundly different from viewing it in a hierarchical way, which causes you to label everyone with uh, their place in the hierarchy. And to help Gloria share the message far and wide, and because I think it is such a fitting frame for talking about so many of the issues we face, in my recent interviews with other shiftmakers, I felt compelled to ask my guests what Gloria's phrase, we are linked, not ranked, means to them. Here are some of their answers. I'll begin with author, speaker, and host of the Professional Troublemaker podcast, Lovey Ajahi-Jones. I think we are linked, not ranked, means there's no one of us who is more important than the other. Mm-hmm. We are part of a larger collective. We should probably operate that way. That's what that I instantly yeah. got from that phrase. Mm-hmm. A paradigm shift is that we are all each other's business. I think it's really important for us to um, start thinking about the collective as we're thinking about the individual. In what ways am I adding to the dumpster fire of the world? In what ways am I helping to fix it? Mm -hmm. That's major. Imagine Mm -hmm. if we were all a little bit more selfless. Oceanographer, marine biologist, and National Geographic explorer at large, Sylvia Earle. Cooperation, collaboration, working together, finding the good wherever it exists, finding the ways and means. You might not agree about this, but you can't agree about th- that. And finding the, the positive connections, we are connected inextricably to the rest of life on earth because of what we now know about the danger we are in, about the necessity of finding the best in whatever is out there, whoever is out there, and trying to get over the competing with one another knowing that we have to safeguard the world. I think that this is the best chance we'll ever have right now that to be a 21st century human being. Attorney, author, and professor Anita Hill. Inclusive change is the only form of change that will work. It's the only way that we are going to really move the needle. Otherwise, we're always going to be you know, only if we only pay attention to one, if we try to rank and say, no, we can't, you know, we can't pay attention to gender because, you know, uh, race is more important or the environment is more important. Unless we understand how all of these things come together, how they're linked, that if you're not dealing with many fronts of bias that goes on in this country, then you're never going to have this radical equality that I'm talking about, the kind of complete equality that I'm talking about. And 
it's never going to be fully effective. You can't have partial equality. There's no such thing as semi-equity. Uh, it is complete if it is to be real, and it has to be felt in people's lives and in the way they live. Filmmaker, author, and host of the Man Enough podcast, Justin Baldoni. First of all, you just dropped Gloria Steinem's name like it was thinking, you, <laughs> you're a badass. Um, what does linked, not ranked mean? I mean, I think it's brilliant what she said. I mean, the patriarchy ranks us. Like, it puts us into rank and order. Linked, to me, is the, is the building block of unity. What does that visual look like? It looks like all of us linking arms, building bridges, right? Creating this interconnected world where we are all one. It ties into my fundamental belief, like in the Baha'i faith, that we are the fruits of one tree and the leaves of one branch. We are one drops in an ocean. Mm -hmm. Baha'u'llah says, so powerful is the light of unity that it can illumine the whole earth. When you rank people, what you're essentially doing is creating a hierarchy in which you have to win at all costs. Everybody matters. Mm -hmm. We all have a role here. What is your natural gift versus what is mine? That if we allow ourselves to take them on without criticism or judgment that we're not doing enough or that we're not in the limelight or whatever, then we're actually linked. Author and co-founder of Omega Institute, Elizabeth Lesser. Rumi, who talks about the open secret that we're all hiding a secret from each other that we're the same. We're the same in our weakness. We're the same in our strength. We're the same in our desires. All of us, men, women, all genders, all colors, all countries, we are the same and therefore we're linked. Mm -hmm. And no one is more special than anyone else. No one's job is more important. No, we, we are one. Lastly, in honor of her birthday, I leave you with Gloria's wisdom on aging. How do you think we can help women better embrace the aging process, you know, rather than fearing or fighting it? Like to see getting older is actually a time of deepening wisdom and coming into our true power. Our honesty about our age would help. I mean, I've, I always try to say my age because I figure it's a form mm -hmm. of coming out, you know. Mm -hmm. um, How old are you, by the way? I'm 72. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, that would help just just not treating it just not treating age as if it were any less of a pleasure than it was when we were six and saying i'm six and a half right you know yeah <laughs> you know, we should be saying i'm 50 and a half 50 and a half or right. whatever <laughs> for more on gloria visit gloriasteinem.com and for more on the we are linked not ranked campaign and bracelet Visit wearelinknotranked.com, where you will see that as a way to honor Gloria, 25% of bracelet proceeds in the month of March will be donated to Gloria's foundation. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me in wishing Gloria a very happy birthday. We are so very blessed to have her wisdom, leadership, activism, and unwavering commitment to changing the world for the better. Shiftmakers was created by Marianne Schnall, and season two was developed by Joy Donnell. Story producer and editor A. Kirsten. Research assistant Angela Joshi. Some audio mixing by Timothy Dixon. Special thanks to Emiliano Limon. For more information about this podcast or our host Marianne Schnall, please visit marianneschnall.com.